the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yesterday, we began our excursion through the book of Galatians. It is a look at the authority of the gospel. Next, as we close out the week here on Abounding Grace. The authority of the gospel, and really it is an ultimate authority, an authority that supersedes anything else that we could ever come up with, and rightfully so. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. We're back in Galatians chapter 1 as well as Second Timothy chapters 3 and 4, looking at the authority of the gospel and how it should command our lives. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Paul is saying to us to have apostolic authority is to say what the apostles wrote is a body of divine truth from God that bears God's authority. And since it is from God, it is the eternal, unchangeable standard of truth and life. So if you want to know the truth, you've got to start with that body of teaching that Christ's apostles taught you. If you want to know what is right or what is wrong in any given situation, you have to start with that body of teaching that Christ's apostles taught you. If you want to know what is right and what is wrong in any given situation, you have to start with that body of revealed ethics that the Lord Jesus Christ handed down to the apostles in the power of the Holy Spirit because their writings are God-breathed. That's what the Greek means. Inspired of God or God-breathed. They're not prophet-breathed. They're not apostle-breathed. It means that the words originated not with the men who wrote them, but with God himself. Paul says in in another place that the writings of the Bible are spirit-produced ideas in spirit-produced words. That the Holy Spirit not only took thoughts right out of the mind of God and placed them into the mind of the writers of the Scripture... But then the Holy Spirit also guided these men in the choice of the words that they would use to express those divinely revealed thoughts. So the Bible is not only the word of God. It is the words of God and absolutely reliable and infallible in everything it teaches. So you see, Paul recognizes that the whole gospel is at stake if you don't buy my authority and bow to it. Because any authority I have is the authority from God. Because the message I have came from him as well. So now what happens? Christ passes the truth that he wants all of us to know about God and ourselves and the gospel down to the apostles by the Holy Spirit. And then the apostles pass it down to us. And that is why in the New Testament, 
The body of truth that the Lord Jesus Christ gave the apostles, their authority to preach, is called in the New Testament things like this, that which was delivered, that which was deposited, the treasure, the pattern of sound words, that which was handed down, that which was entrusted, that which is passed on, the apostolic tradition. I want you to turn with me now to really several verses. I'm just going to go down through them quickly, but I want you to see that this is a constant emphasis throughout the scripture. Why do we believe the writings of Paul and other apostles? Why are they our authority for trying to understand life and how to be saved? And, and we should shut our ears to anyone else, my friends. We are not to be open-minded to anything at all that contradicts these apostles. I love what Martin Luther said. And remember, he was prone to a little bit of exaggeration, but this is really good. He said, any teaching which does not square with Scripture is to be rejected, even if it sows miracles every day. That's my attitude. And I pray that it is yours as well. But here's the thing. Why do we believe these men? It is because they are authorized representatives of Christ who speak to us exactly, no more, no less, than Jesus told them to say to us. And the reason that is important to us is because Jesus is God. And when you rest your life upon the apostolic testimony of the New Testament and the prophetic testimony of the Old Testament, you are resting your life upon the word of God and not the word of men. Well, let's look at some verses. Turn, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to go through this section fairly quickly. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 1. And, and by the way, these are all going to be toward the last part of the New Testament, so it won't be too difficult for you to keep up. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul the Apostle is now addressing and teaching his young mentor, Timothy, and he says, verse 13, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So Paul has given Timothy a commission. He's not commissioning him as an apostle. He's not commissioning him as someone in apostolic succession. He is commissioning him as a minister as the gospel. And this passage clearly states this, just as other ministers of the gospel. And he says, I have a standard of sound words that you've heard from me, a pattern of sound words, a system of sound doctrine, of ethics that you got from me. Timothy, that is a treasure that has been entrusted to you. It has been handed down to me by God in Christ. And now I hand it down to you. And all I want you to do, Timothy, is guard it. Retain it. Don't abridge it. Don't supplement it. Don't add anything to it. Any of your own thoughts. Just guard and retain and preach this treasure that I give to you. Don't do anything with it other than preach it and expound it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. 
you feel something here of the urgency of Paul. He says, oh, Timothy, guard this treasure that has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and opposing arguments of what is called knowledge, which some profess and thus have gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. Timothy, guard that treasure that has been entrusted to you from me and to me from the Lord Jesus Christ and avoid everything that contradicts it. Avoid anything or anybody or any viewpoint that goes against it. All it is is empty chatter. If you don't work to keep this deposit, this treasure, this apostolic doctrine that that I got from Christ, if you don't work to keep it pure, an entire people will believe an inferior gospel and they will apostate from the faith. Verse 21, which some have professed and gone astray from the faith. They apostatized, my friends. They sincerely believed a lesser gospel. Some eloquent speaker probably came along and convinced them that the gospel of sovereign grace is not a gospel for the modern age. So they embellished it and cut out some of the offensive parts. Now these people sincerely believe that gospel, but in believing a lesser gospel, they have apostatized from the faith. So Timothy, guard that treasure that I, says the Apostle Paul, have given to you because it was given to me by Jesus. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God That when you receive from us, that is the apostle's message received from God, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its works in you who believe. Now, these were the words of Paul. Paul thought deeply about the words he used, but ultimately he said, this message message that I preach to you, it does not originate with me. It originated with God. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we com- command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from or separate yourself from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you received from us. Now, the word tradition means a deposit in Scripture, this treasure. This apostolic tradition you heard from my lips, given to me by Christ himself, said the Apostle Paul. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some tradition like a specific meal at Thanksgiving. He's not talking about human traditions. In Mark 7, Jesus clearly condemns human traditions that originate with man and are put on par with the Word of God. He's not talking about traditionalism. He's talking about those traditions that you heard from me, says Paul. Separate yourself from anyone who claims to be a Christian where life and preaching contradict the deposit of the truth, contradict Scripture, contradict the revelation that Jesus gave to his apostles. So you see this book now, all the way to the early church was the written standard by which every man's life was to be judged. It was the standard of truth and morality if anyone swerved from that standard, either in what they preached or how they lived. 
They were to be cut off from the church. And the church was to separate itself from them. And that is excommunication, my friends. It's how serious this is. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of my many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, or pass them along, who are able to teach others also. Paul says, now I'm passing something on to you, Timothy, that I want you to guard. But I want you to do something more than guard. I want you to take what you have heard from my infallible lips and my infallible pen, and I want you to ordain ministers of the gospel in the church that will carry that God-inspired deposit truth down to the church throughout her generations. I don't want you to add anything to it. I don't want them to add any tradition to it. I don't want them to develop a new doctrine I want them to simply preach pure and entire what I gave you as an apostle. Turn to 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by me, whether by word or mouth or letter from us. Now, that's an important verse because that is the verse is the basis of the Roman Catholic view of authority. The Roman Catholic view of authority differs from us, true Protestantism. Protestantism believes in, to use the Latin phrase, sola scriptura. As one man said, William Chillingworth, the Bible alone is the religion of Protestants. The Bible is our one rule of faith and practice. We don't go beyond its borders. For Roman Catholicism, the word of God is merely contained in the scriptures and in the living traditions of the church that is passed down orally from the apostles to modern day and that are properly, supposedly interpreted by the infallible voice of the alleged vicar of Christ in Rome, the Pope. So that the source of authority for Roman Catholicism is scripture living tradition that is passed down from mouth to mouth through the ages, and the infallible interpretations of those by the Pope himself. Ours is sola scriptura, the scriptures alone. Now the verse they use for this belief is from this verse in 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught. The traditions here, meaning the apostolic doctrines, the word of God, whether by word of mouth or letter from us, whether by word of mouth, that was orally, or by a letter from us, that is what is written. So a lot of Roman Catholic apologists will say, well, there it is. That part of the word of God is written down and part of the word of God comes orally And if you want all of the word of God, you've got to have scriptures and traditions properly interpreted by the Roman Catholic Church or you don't have the word of God. I'm not exaggerating, my friends. I'm trying to explain this as honestly as I can because it is important to know the difference. 
That is why in most of the distinctives of the Roman Catholic Church, they don't make much of an attempt to take them out of Scripture alone because they say that is not all of the Word of God. The Word of God is Scripture and tradition interpreted by the Pope. And they say, here is what Paul said, either by mouth or written letter. But you know, it doesn't say what they say it says. What they say that it says is that the Word of God partially came orally by word of mouth, and the Word of God came partially by letter. So the apostles handed down two things to the church, a written word and an oral tradition. Did you notice this passage doesn't say anything at all about two things being handed down to the church? It says there is one thing handed down two ways. It's not that these apostolic traditions, that is, these truths revealed from Christ to the apostles, part of them handed down in the Bible. But if you want all of the apostolic words, you've got to have traditions as well. So that it is only when you have both together that you have the complete word of God. So he is saying, there is one thing that I am passing down to you in two ways. So you can get the truth in this day either through the oral preaching of the apostles or by their written word, but in either case, you've got the whole thing. And that is the apostolic doctrine, this revealed truth, Paul says. There is one thing that has been handed down to the church through Paul's preaching and through Paul's writing. It is not there is scripture and tradition, and there is a apostolic doctrine. He preached it and he wrote it. So we had either... You had, so if you had either, you had the whole word of God. If you had the preached word, or if you had it written down, both, or either, you had the entire word of God. If you never saw an apostle, but you had apostolic writings, that was just as good, actually, if not better. You say, well, Gary, are you just as accountable to the oral preaching of the gospel today? I mean, it says that there is one truth, but that truth has not only been written down, the truth has been given orally. Are you saying we're supposed to obey oral tr tradition from an apostle? Yes. You and I are just as accountable to do whatever an apostle says to us when he is preaching as they were in New Testament times. But there's one little problem. All the apostles are dead. And they have been dead for 2,000 years. Paul said he was the last of the apostles in 1 Corinthians 15. And the two prerequisites for being an apostle was number one, you had to have seen the resurrected Christ. And number two, you had to be directly and personally called by Jesus to that office. So the point is, we don't have apostles any longer. The way we have contact now with this original deposit, this treasure of divine truth, is here through the written word of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Notice what Paul says now about his writings in verse 37. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. If anyone thinks he is a prophet... 
or spiritual, let him recognize the things that I write are the Lord's commandments. Here is Paul. Paul is putting his words on par with the law of God. Look in Jude, next to the last book of the Bible. And notice an interesting phrase here in the book of Jude. The book of Jude was written when there were still apostles alive. So he could still say this. Jude verse 3. Beloved, while I was making the effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered or handed down to the saints. Earnestly contend for a body of doctrine to be believed because it was revealed by Christ himself. Earnestly contend for the faith, like we talk about, the Reformed faith, the biblical faith. It doesn't mean the faith by which we believe, but the faith that is that, which we are to believe. And it says that in the first century, this faith, this body of doctrine, was once for all completely delivered to the saints. And no development or supplementation is at all possible. So what you have here in the Bible, you don't need any addition to it. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it and turned away from the holy commandment delivered, there's our word again, to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its vomit. In other words, this is saying of a final authority being contained in the Holy Scripture is so serious that it's better for someone to never profess to be a Christian at all than to profess to be a Christian in this book and walk away from it. His judgment will be more severe. And God considers him to be a dog returning to its vomit. Now 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes. That in us you learn not to exceed what is written. Let me say it clearly. That you may learn not to go beyond what is written. Forget oral traditions. Forget modern visions. And alleged prophecies of the charismatics. Or the living traditions of the Roman Catholic Church. Don't go beyond what is written. Don't. Add to it, supplement, or abridge, or take from the Word of God. You don't need anything else to know God than the Word of God that has been handed down from you to you from Jesus through His apostles, infallibly by the Holy Spirit, and preached faithfully throughout the church for its entire history. Don't go beyond, beloved, what is written. In the Old Testament and in the writings of the apostles in the New Testament, everything you need to know about how to avoid all the schisms and divisions that wrecked the church at Corinth and Colossae and threatened the church at Galatia, 
Everything you need to know about God and life and how to be saved and live for God in this world and glorify God and enjoy God, you have in this written treasure that has been entrusted to you and I. So please don't go beyond what is written. Amen. Let us pray. Great and mighty God, we thank you for Christ's apostles. We thank you that they are the foundation of the church with Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Lord, may we build our lives and our families and our understanding of the gospel and life and our churches and our nation upon that unshakable, irrevocable, immeasurable, infallible foundation. For Christ's sake, amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 4 Four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two, fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.